All right. Well, uh, hello again. Um, do uh, grab your Bible um, and turn to the book of Ruth. Um, don't be afraid to use the contents page because sometimes it can be a bit difficult to find. It's quite a small text. It's probably about four or five pages in your Bible. That's all. And it's just after the book of Judges and before the books of Samuel. That's my clue for you. So if you find, find your Bible and turn to the book of Ruth. Um, Ruth is a story uh, of a lady who chooses to belong to God. She makes a choice to belong to God. And she makes that choice in the midst of uh, real struggle and uh, real heartache, massive disappointment, a complete mind-blowing change to her life and the way she thought it would be. And, um, and so that it makes a great text for us to be studying. And so I want to kind of invite you uh, tonight to, um, to hunker down with me with the Bible and, uh, and listen to what Jesus might want to say to you about how in our moment of distress and difficulty and challenge right now in the middle of this pandemic, we can look at someone like Ruth and we can learn a lot. So um, a quick recap. If, uh, if you are new to all this or if you missed last week, uh, I want you to imagine there's a lady called Naomi and Naomi has a husband called Elimelech. So everyone at home say Elimelech. Elimelech and she has two sons and there's a famine in the land of Israel so uh, they decide as a family to go and move they travel walk for about two weeks to get to a land called Moab which is next to them and Moab historically was a kind of enemy of the people of Israel and it was a foreign land but they go there and they get on okay and the two sons actually end up marrying Moabite uh, women. So, so Naomi is there with her husband and her two sons, and she has two new daughters-in-law, these two Moabite women. And uh, tragedy strikes. So all the men in the family die, leaving Naomi alone with these two new Moabite daughters-in-law. And she says to them, she's obviously heartbroken, she's wrecked, she's distressed. She says to them, go back to your families. I can't offer you anything. I can't offer you any kind of life. Go back to your families and maybe you can start again with them. Maybe they'll look after you. And, um, and one of them, one of the ladies, Orpah, she does go back. But Ruth, our heroine, chooses not to. And she chooses to stay loyal to Naomi, she says, no, I'm not going to abandon you in your moment of greatest need. I'm going to stay with you. And, uh, and then she says famously and, and beautifully, uh, your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. And where you die, I will go with you and I will die there with you. There's this kind of covenant, this kind of pact this loyalty shown, a self-sacrificial uh, laying down of her life by Ruth. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing and it's a powerful thing. And I want to suggest that actually in that way she is like a true disciple of Christ. We see in her a Christ-like pattern. And then that is the key that unlocks all that God then goes on to do in her. So that's where we pick up our story today. Uh, the two ladies decide to travel back to Israel together to Naomi's hometown. 
and um, they walk for weeks, they're widows, they don't have anyone to provide for them, they probably don't have much to eat, they turn up back in Bethlehem absolutely wrecked. And that's where we're going to read from. So chapter 1, verse 19, uh, Lexi is going to read to us. So uh, this is God's word, so uh, listen up. Over to Lexi. This is Ruth 119 to 2.13. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them and the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so they arrive back in Bethlehem and it says the people are stirred. They're intrigued. They, they, they sort of say, is, could this be Naomi? And Naomi, that, that name means pleasant, pleasant one or sweet one. And, um, and she says, do not call me pleasant one. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Call me bitter because the almighty, she says, has made my life bitter. He has robbed me of my husband and my two sons and I am bitter. And it's like she says over herself a new identity, a new name. So in Jewish culture, names carry the characteristics of that person with them. So we have God renaming Abraham, Abraham. And there being significance in that. We know that Saul in the New Testament becomes Paul. And you can think of many examples, I'm sure. But here, Naomi says that over herself. She says, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. 
because my life has been made bitter. She speaks over herself a new identity, a new personhood. But Ruth, whose name appropriately enough means friend, she doesn't blame this new God, her new God, Yahweh. She doesn't blame him for it. But unlike Naomi, she chooses, as painful as it is, to trust him, to open herself to him, to observe the Shema, which in the Torah was to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others, i.e. Naomi, as herself. She chooses to be God's, to belong to God, to live for God in this most difficult of situations. And it seems to me that we get to make a similar choice. So like Ruth, we are too experiencing a degree of difficulty. And for some of us, outright despair. And this is the exact moment in which we can really activate our faith. And we're all watching this coming out of different kinds of weeks. You know, the, the, we're only one week into 2021, believe it or not, and already so much has happened. And I know that some of you have been in hospital this week. I know that some of you um, have had a shocking week at work, are feeling completely overwhelmed. Some of you are feeling uh, just really flat and really lost and really disconnected. Well, we look to Ruth here and she is activating this mustard seed of faith. She is enacting a walk of faith. And I wonder whether you find yourself thinking, um, and I think it's easy for us to end up at this place, but to think, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait until this is all over. I'm just gonna, I, I've kind of stopped reading my Bible a little bit and I've, I've kind of drifted from the community bits and bobs that I was part of and, and my worship life isn't really what it was. But actually once COVID's over, once lockdown's over, then I'm gonna really start reinvesting in my Christian faith and, and really start living as a Christian again and God's gonna move in my life and it's gonna be amazing and there's gonna be revival. What I wanna say to you, God is not waiting around the corner. God is not, uh, on hold. He's not kind of waiting for COVID to be over and lockdown to be over. He is active and present right in this moment that we find ourselves in. If only we would turn and look. This is the arena in which we get to live out our life of faith or not. Um, C.S. Lewis said it like this, and I think this is brilliant. He said, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth, of course, is that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life that God is sending one day by day. So I wonder, are we uh, regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions to our real life or are we finding God in what he wants to do in us right here and right now and the trouble is if we think that our life of faith starts once the struggle stops then we're likely to miss it whatever your life is like at the moment that is the very life that God wants to meet you in and be active within and speak to you within and we can choose to be bitter like Naomi to be Mara, or we can choose to be a friend of God like Ruth. And I wonder what that looks like for you, what that looks like now for us. Well, I think it looks like us doing what we can do 
and not worrying so much about what we can't do. We probably all spend about an hour a day, at least, on our phones, in some way uh, enjoying a bit of escapism from uh, our current reality. And then we complain that we don't really feel connected to God or we don't feel close to God. I wonder if you read your Bible one hour for a day, do you know that you could read the whole thing cover to cover in three months? One hour a day, every day, three months, when lockdown's over, you'll have read the entire body of scripture. Imagine what God might want to do in you and through you, through that, how you could meet Christ on every page. So Ruth doesn't want to sit around waiting. She doesn't want to wait until it's over. She doesn't want to sit in and lick her wounds. She wants to get on with what she can do to step into something. And so verse two, it says, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up whatever leftover grain is behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi says to her, go ahead, my daughter. So many of you will know that this picking up of leftover grain is known as gleaning. And it was a kind of welfare safety net for Israelite society. And it's a bit like our universal credit, but it gave real dignity to the poor. They could be active and they could work for the, the food that they were given. And actually it sowed real generosity into the hearts of the farmers because they knew that anything they received from God, the harvest that they received, that gift, immediately part of it was left to give to those less fortunate than themselves. So in there itself, there's loads for us to learn, I think, and to try and follow out. Uh, verse three, it's so Ruth, she's a widow, she's a foreigner. She must have had to take a real deep breath. And she goes out and it says, verse three, she entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So everyone at home, let's say it again, Elimelech. Um, it's much easier for God to steer us when we're moving. It's much easier for God to provide for us when we are active, when we're doing the thing that is in front of us to do. And the writer uses that phrase, as it turned out, but it could just as well have said, by God's providence, by God's kindness, by God's guidance, Ruth ends up in the field belonging to a distant family member of hers. Unbeknownst to her, she ends up in Boaz's field. Now, Boaz is like the clan elder, the clan overseer of her family, of this family that she has married into. And we, we can see some of his character. He's a good guy. He's a godly man. So he says, he arrives at his field and he says, the Lord be with you to his staff. And his staff are kind of harvesting and working hard. And they must like him because they look to him and they say, may the Lord bless you. So there's a challenge for this week. If you log into a Zoom meeting with your team, with your boss, I want you to say, the Lord be with you. And he might say to you, may the Lord bless you. Um, so it's clear that God is leading Ruth from a place of real desperation and with a little mustard seed of faith and trust, leading her into a community of real blessing, of, um, of provision. And um, she asked uh, Christ to help her. She asked God to help her and he does. 
So Boaz asks who this new stranger is because Ruth probably looks different. Remember that she was a Moabite. You can imagine she's come from a different um, bloodline, a different lineage. Perhaps she had a different bone structure or uh, different hair or skin color or something or different clothes. And Boaz sees her and he says, who, who is this new lady? And remember that um, we get uh, a beautiful glimpse here of of God and his compassion for the outsider. And I think in this week, particularly, this is a key moment for us. And we've seen how this week, uh, nationalism and a kind of divisive spirit and a sense of us and them, a sense of othering people, can lead people to do some really hideous and stupid things. And one of the most depressing things in my week, and I'm sure you saw the stuff on Tuesday night happening in America, was when uh, there were these massive banners that said Jesus saves on them. And that was put up by the protesters as they smashed in windows and as they attacked police and as they forced their way in and tried to take power by force. Do we see any of that in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit? I don't think we do. I think we see a glimpse of Jesus in Boaz here and in the way he treats this foreign widow, Ruth. It's just like Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's just like Jesus with the centurion. And I'm sure you can think of many examples. We see his heart for the outsider, those who might be considered other and different. And they are brought in into a loving community if they acknowledge that the Lord uh, is who he says he is, as Ruth did. So Boaz doesn't chuck her out or chase her off for being different, for having a different skin color, for, for being from a different land. Through Boaz, God chooses to show kindness and mercy to Ruth. And so we see this in a few ways. Firstly, we see it in the way that Boaz addresses her. He says to her, listen, daughter. He calls her daughter. And we have this lovely echo here because when Ruth left the house, Naomi said to her, go, go ahead, my daughter. And then here is like the, the bookend of that. It's where Ruth kind of lands and finds a new place in this family where Boaz says to her, listen, daughter, my daughter. And then he blesses her with probably the three things that she needs most. He blesses her with companionship. He blesses her with protection and he blesses her with provision. So imagine how this must have felt for Ruth after all she had been through and, and the step of faith that she had taken. She didn't know it was gonna end up like this. She must have thought, maybe this is gonna be my reality now for the rest of my life. But Boaz says to her, verse eight, don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. So there's companionship. Stay here with the women who work for me. He say, do you remember she said, your people will be my people to Naomi. And here's Boaz saying, stay here with the women who work for me. Companionship. Then verse nine, he says, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. So there's protection. The implication being that the men probably would have laid a hand on her. She was in an incredibly vulnerable position as a widow, as a foreigner, and not all of them were good people. 
So Boaz extends his cloak of protection, as it were, over her and says, I've told my men not to lay a hand on you. You're going to be okay. And then he says, whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. So there we see him providing for her refreshment and provision. So as usual, we see God take something bitter and make it better. He takes Ruth's mustard seed of faith and he changes Naomi's and Ruth's path completely. Although she's a Moabite and they were seen as unclean by the Israelites, Boaz invites her to come and drink from their same cup. It's like a common cup with the enemy. And isn't this just like Jesus? In Isaiah 55, Christ says, Come to me, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. And we see Christ say that to Ruth here through Boaz. And it says Ruth bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked Boaz, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner? And it's as if she reminds him. It's as if she says, I'm a foreigner though. I'm, I'm, I'm the enemy, aren't I? I'm not even Jewish. And just like Naomi calls herself bitter, it's like here Ruth says over herself, but am I not a foreigner? But Boaz speaks instead a greater reality over her. He speaks a more inclusive and gracious identity. And it's an identity birthed in the moment that she chooses to belong to God in her difficult season. When she says, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. And I'm going to love my neighbour, Naomi, as myself. That's when this new reality, it's like a rebirth. It's like a second birth. In, in Ruth, we see a Christ-like laying down of herself for Naomi. And it gives birth to this new and eternal identity for her. And we know that she goes on to become King David's great-grandmother, this foreigner, this outsider, this widow. She's, she has nothing, and she chooses with her mustard seed of faith to trust God, and God grafts her into the line of Israel, and she goes on to become the great-grandmother of the most Jewish of the Jewish kings. Isn't that just like God? And then finally, in verse 12, Boaz declares this blessing over her. Verse 12, he says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done, i.e. your self-sacrifice, your faithfulness, your loyalty to Naomi, this, this woman who's part of my family, your, uh, yeah, your choice to worship Yahweh and take a risk. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so the good news for us today is that three or four thousand years later, whatever it is, we can take refuge under the same wings. We can come in our rather challenging situation that we're in and we can know God giving us companionship, and protection and provision right in the midst of the struggle and the distress and the confusion of lockdown. So I said at the start that Ruth's story is one of choice. She makes a choice to belong to God. So let's be people this week 
who make the choice to belong to God in whatever way we can. Let's um, let Jesus be the first word on our lips as we wake up in the morning. Let's let his word be the first thing we look at in the morning, not Instagram or the BBC news app for me. Uh, Let's let God's word be, let's, let's give God everything that we have. Let's completely dedicate ourselves to him this week. Let's make a choice like Ruth to pin all of our trust and our faith and our hope on him. That's what real worship looks like in this season. And we're going to start that now together. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I just invite you to just um, close your eyes, maybe be still. And I'm going to pray and Ian's going to lead us in a final song. Uh, But let's just pray some of that together. Thank you that you are so, um, you are so merciful to us, Lord. Thank you for the way that you met with Ruth that she took a risk on you, that she pinned her hope and her faith and her trust on you. She chose to become a friend of yours. And in that moment, a whole different reality was birthed. And Lord, in whatever way we can, we want to say yes to you tonight. We want to ask you to come and do the same for us. Would you meet us in our in our distress, in our sadness, in our exhaustion. Thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you that you are good. And if you've never done this before, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you've never taken that step of putting your trust in God instead of in yourself and you making it happen i'm just going to pray a prayer and i want you to um if if you would like to to just echo that prayer in your heart it's just dead simple just pray together lord jesus thank you that you are the one who helps us thank you that you don't need to do it we don't need to do it on our own Thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to be with us and to help us live this life with you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So we trust you and we just welcome you into our lives now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Ian's going to lead us on, so let's carry on that same uh, mode, as it were, and let's sing this song together.